Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. Isaiah 35 is a chapter organized around the words, God will come and save you. And it reflects the challenge that, as, that is faced by people of faith with pain and misery and sorrow and grief that become part of their lives or the backdrop to their lives. And the question is, what does faith offer in the face of experiences of pain and misery and suffering and grief? Some believe that faith offers insulation. That is to say that people of faith are prevented from the experience of pain, misery, sorrow and grief. But this is not true. Faith does not insulate persons from sorrow or misery or pain or grief. Faith may provide resources to go through these experiences or even to overcome these experiences, but they do not, it does not insulate us from these experiences. And this is as it should be, because some of the most valuable lessons in life are learned through the experiences of pain, misery, suffering, and grief. And it is in those circumstances that often the best of what makes us human or nobler and better selves or better angels are brought to the fore. There are others who believe that faith offers guarantee for individuals that in the experience of suffering and sorrow and misery and pain, that they will have their individual miracles of deliverance. And this may be so, but it is unreliable because not everyone who has sorrow or misery or pain or grief experiences acts of miraculous deliverance. So while it happens and we are thankful when it happens, faith offers more than an expectation of individual deliverance. The, the, the writer of Isaiah 35 is contemplating a third option. He's looking to a day when God's, by God's miraculous action, by God's saving purpose, in particular through God's Messiah, will usher in a day when pain and sorrow and misery and grief are 
completely defeated and we are delivered from them. Not in a temporary way, but as a permanent reality. And this is what is discussed in Isaiah 35. First, there is a promise of total salvation. Here, the writer speaks about the blind having their eyes open, the deaf shouting with joy, the mute shouting with joy, and the lame leaping like a deer. In other words, he envisages a day when the activity of God's saving purposes are directed towards the most vulnerable in life. And then he speaks about environment which is free from ravenous beasts and from lions, where the the soil once drenched with the heat of the sun bubbles with water, where the haunts of jackals turn into the place to grow papyrus. Because he envisages not only God healing those that are victims and those that are vulnerable, but he envisages as well God dealing with the external circumstances and removing them or transforming them in a way that they become hospitable to human life. And it is one of the ironies of life that the most vulnerable often live in the most difficult circumstances. So they are almost doubly victimized. They have their inherited or natural disadvantage. And on top of it, they are placed to live in circumstances that are difficult and that are inhospitable. The prophet imagines a day in which God deals with both. And then he speaks about the highway being the way of holiness. And we must always remember that the solution that God offers is not just external to the circumstances, but internal in terms of our own personal choices and our inner change. God not only saves us from the external environment, he also saves us from ourselves. But it's a, the prophet also speaks about the unmitigated joy. He speaks about the lame leaping for like a deer and the mute shouting for joy. And he says that the redeemed will come and everlasting joy will be upon their head and sorrow and mourning will flee away. It is one of those things that have always fascinated to see the oppressed people when their oppression is at its worst dancing and singing. This is certainly one of the memories I have of watching the story unfold of apartheid in South Africa in the dying days when they used to speak about black and black violence. And every night one would see on one's television the funerals being held for people who had been gunned down, black people who had been gunned down. And these funerals turned into dances and singing. So the, 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 the victims of oppression defied their oppression by the joy that they, they showed, by their songs, by their music. 
And so for us, as people of faith, in the face of misery and pain and sorrow and grief, we can find a resource of joy, of energy, of the will to go on, which defies the very circumstances. We can sing at our the funeral of our loved ones. This is how this joy works. But the joy is not only a defiance against our circumstances. Often the joy foreshadows the experience of complete salvation that God promises. It's a way of the future reaching back into the present, of us seeing what God is going to do and therefore rejoicing, of seeing the good that can come, of seeing how hate can be defeated and anger silence. And so there is a joy that sees what we face from God's point of view and from the point of view of the salvific work of God being done through Jesus. This is why we can sing in worship. This is why we can look to God knowing that history and pain are not the last words of our lives. But the writer speaks not just of the total salvation, encompassing both the external and inner realities. And he doesn't only speak about this unmitigated joy that anticipates what God is going to do and which is a product of the overflowing grace of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But he also speaks about an infrastructure that God has invested in that will bring about the permanent change mm. in the world. He speaks about entering Zion. He speaks about the ways in which God is going to change the realities which confront and defeat them. Zion is a way of speaking about the Jewish city, which we come to know as Jerusalem. Zion spoke about the city from the point of view of its location on the top of Mount Zion, on the hill. And that hill made it invincible to chariotry and armies that sought to besiege it. They simply could not conquer the city from below. Jerusalem, on the other, speaks about the city as the city of the great kings, speaks about the city as a concentration of righteousness and peace. And in the imagination of the people of faith throughout history, they look to the day when God would install his king in his own son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he would establish not an episodical individual salvation, but something which had the infrastructure of permanence, the kingdom of God, the city of God, the rule and reign of God. And it is to anticipate this by faith, to know that however formidable and powerful mm. and well-resourced the, the forces of evil, however equipped they are, however determined they may be, however long the night of the sorrow they inflict, they do not have the last word. That God has installed his holy king in Zion and has declared the decree, you are my son, this day have I begotten you. Ask of me and, you will, and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the utmost parts of the earth 
for your possession. So the joy is that God's rule and reign will take hold of history. And when we have this sense about the doings of God, we don't end up with a dystopia, but with the hope of a utopia, with a paradise. We, our activism is, is rooted in the sense of the ideal. We work against the odds. We fight on in the struggle because we know that God has laid down a marker. We are the redeemed. We have the joy and the gladness, which are the down payment of the final salvation that God will accomplish in history. Nowadays, our world is in the grip of the pandemic, and it is a profoundly remarkable disease that seemed intelligent enough to fight back against any solution. And at the same time, we notice that the forces are more determined than ever, more well-armed than ever, more well-resourced than ever. And it, e it is easy to lose sight of what is on the horizon, of the kingdom of God, which has already been inaugurated of his righteousness and his peace. Even if all we have to contend with is the merciless violence that slaughters homeless people in our country. We come to places like Isaiah and we hear him say, therefore the redeemed shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning will flee away. In his name, amen.